What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyles here for CLNS Media with another episode of Pats Daily brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. More from them later. This episode, we're going to be touching on some of the coaching staff hires for the Patriots and retentions. Obviously, a lot of moving parts with the Patriots, whether it's people staying, whether it's people going, whether it's people coming in the building. This show, we're more going to focus on people inside the building currently. And then after that, we're going to get into some of your excellent mailbag questions. Also, if you have any live during the show, feel free to shoot them into the chat. I'll be checking every now and then to make sure I don't miss anything, and I'll try to get to them if I can. Y'all are the best. Now, to start off, the first thing we're going to be looking at is the Patriots actually retaining Director of Skill Development Joe Kim. And this is actually broke. I'll bring up the tweet right now. This was broken, I believe, at least to my knowledge, by Doug Kide, excellent member of the beat. Uh, the Patriots retaining Director of Skill Development Joe Kim under new head coach Gerard Mayo. Kim is highly regarded for his work with the defensive line and pass rushers. Good news for the Patriots defense. Joe Kim, similar to Scott Peters, who works on the offense, is somebody who is very well trained in martial arts and incorporates a lot of that into how he coaches his players, which is really interesting. I know a lot of players like think about when Chandler Jones would train with his brother, who was a UFC fighter, and try to get more into hand to hand combat. I'm sure you've seen the videos of Aaron Donald like fighting knives. If you haven't, please do. It's insane. I don't know who the hell told him to do that, but you know. He's fine, so clearly it works for him. Uh, but, yeah, so now you got two guys on the staff in Scott Peters and Joe Kim. Joe Kim obviously been around for much longer, but two guys with martial arts backgrounds working in the trenches on each side of the ball. I think that's really cool. Um, and, yeah, really big retention for the Patriots. The next thing we're going to move on to is the Patriots hiring Taylor Embry to be their running backs coach. This was confirmed by Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. And he touches on the fact that Embry was most recently the running backs coach for the Jets. So he worked with Brees Hall, the outstanding running back for the Jets, who had an offensive rookie of the year campaign his first season in the league before he accidentally or I'm sorry, unfortunately, suffered a torn ACL, took him out for the rest of the year. But even going back to this past season. As bad as the Jets were, Brees Hall was absolutely a bright spot. Didn't quite have the same deep speed, but was still a really good player for them. Now, I will say with this hire, Embry doesn't have, you know, a sensational track record outside of that. Like their other backs on the Jets didn't really perform as well as, you know, some people I've talked to expected them to. So I'm not totally sure how to feel about Embry. But in terms of familiarity, it's notable that he worked on the 49er staff from 2017 to 2018 as an offensive quality control coach. And during that time, not only did he work under Kyle Shanahan, which everybody wants somebody from McVay tree. And while that can be overblown to a degree, I do know lots of coaches have mentioned how working under Shanahan really helps you kind of grow and learn to see the game a different way. So there's that value. But he also worked with Patriots quarterbacks coach T.C. McCartney, who at the time was also a member of the 49ers staff. So with Embry, doesn't have the same connections to like a Van Pelt or an Elliott Wolf that we've seen with a lot of the Patriots staff hires on the offensive side of the ball and with Jerry Montgomery on the defensive line coach position. But, you know, the T.C. McCartney connection is there, I guess. Again, this is one where I'm not totally sure what to make of it heads or tails. Brees Hall, you know, him succeeding in the league is obviously a solid sign, but Brees Hall is also a phenomenal player. So it's kind of hard to know how much of that was just Brees and how much of that was the coaching, especially considering, again, there hasn't been a lot of great production out of the Jets running backs, especially when you look at someone like Dalvin Cook, who didn't really play a whole lot and also didn't really perform the way people expected, although, of course, he's up there in age. So 
that's something to factor in as well. Now, looking at the third update that we've got for the Patriots staff, Troy Brown, according to Mike Reese, has been offered an opportunity to stay, but he wasn't aware of the job or the role. And then Reese threw in the fun fact that both Troy Brown and Alex Van Pelt were eighth round picks in the 1993 draft with Brown going a few picks before Alex Van Pelt. So I'll take this off the screen for now. Technology will let me. There we go. So the Troy Brown situation is interesting, right? He's been the wide receivers coach for a couple of seasons, but he's been the kick returners coach for several seasons. So I'm curious, you know, the Patriots obviously hired Tyquan Underwood over the weekend, former Patriot, notoriously cut before the Super Bowl, who was the wide receivers coach and pass game coordinator at Pittsburgh for a couple of seasons. Now is the assistant wide receivers coach for the Patriots. So we haven't seen who the wide receivers coach is going to be. If Troy Brown doesn't know what his role would be if he came back, probably means he's not the wide receivers coach position that because of that situation is still vacant. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what his role could be. He could return as the kick returners coach. Obviously the Patriots have had success uh, with Jalen Rager when he returned to kick for a touchdown. It was kind of weird that he had never been in that role extensively before that, considering a big part of his skill set as being a dynamic return man. Although he has had some ball security issues in that role. So I can kind of understand why the team might've been hesitant. Um, but if Troy does stay on the team, I, I can't see it being as anything other than a kick returners coach. Cause again, the wide receivers coach situation is a little weird and up in the air. And in addition to that, I'm not sure if they'd want him coaching another position. He briefly did coach running backs, but like we said, that position's already been filled. So unless they want him to move to a different position, like tight ends or something like that, I'm not sure what his role would be outside of special teams. Uh, but of course, something to keep an eye on uh, in the coming days as we move on here. So we will move into the mailbag portion of the show. Looking forward to that. But first, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, moving on to the mailbag questions. Let's see what we got first. Can the Patriots replicate the Texans formula, the rookie head coach and rookie quarterback? If so, what has to happen between now and September? Well, a lot has to happen between now and September. They've got a ways to go. Uh, they don't even have that rookie quarterback yet, but obviously Gerard Mayo is saying they're going to draft a premium position with their top pick. It's completely understandable if they do get a quarterback. I think that's what most fans expect them to do. I will say... I'm mulling the idea over of, you know, what if they don't get a quarterback and they decide they want to get Joe Alt, uh, maybe a wide receiver. I just think that offensive tackle and quarterback are too much priorities to go with a receiver that early. But with the whole Texans question, the Texans idea got me thinking because obviously with Gerard Mayo and um, 
and D'Amico Ryans having pretty similar career arcs, but both in college and the NFL. And now obviously head coaches that are pretty young um, and getting chances after being coordinators. I was wondering, okay, like how were the Texans built under Nick Casario, who obviously has Patriots ties. I was curious what they could maybe take from the Casario era Texans in terms of how they build out the rest of this roster. So here's some nuggets that I found. Obviously, they drafted C.J. Stroud with the second pick. The Patriots have the third pick. There have been some rumblings that Drake May could slide to them at number three. If so, I think absolutely pull the trigger. You got lucky like a Christian Gonzalez situation. It's a relative steal. Take what you can get. Um, so I do think the Patriots are probably going to take a quarterback first or second round, depending on how the first round shakes out. As we know, Jaden Daniels is the most likely pick at number three. My dream scenario would be them trading back just a few spots to get behind a team that may not be crazy for a quarterback and try to maybe uh, get Jaden a little bit later while also acquiring extra picks. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but obviously would be ideal. But drafting a quarterback, I think that's going to happen regardless, although I do think that quarterback should be someone who's expected to be benched the first year and kind of have a bridge option who I'm sure the Patriots are going to sign in free agency, whether that's Joe Flacco, Jacoby Brissett, Drew Locke, all of those guys have experience with Alex Van Pelt or and or T.C. McCartney. And then you've also got on the market Kirk Cousins, who is the creme de la creme of the free agent quarterbacks. If he doesn't sign with the Vikings again, he does have experience uh, in an Alex Van Pelt type system. Alex Van Pelt worked under Kevin Stefanski, who was with the Vikings at the same time as Kirk Cousins. So it wouldn't necessarily be an unfamiliar system to him, uh, per se. Uh, that being said, I'm not sure if Kirk Cousins would actually want to go to a team like the Patriots, where they're still very much rebuilding. I feel like at this point in his career, he'd probably won a Super Bowl because he's made a good amount of money. Um, but yeah, I, I say all that to say, if they draft a quarterback, I expect it to be someone they don't want to start year one, especially with the Elliott Wolf Packers influence. They like sitting their young, their young quarterbacks. Um, but that's the first note, quarterback early. Then... The Texans drafted in the I'm sorry the Texans drafted offensive linemen in the first two rounds of each of the past two seasons. They drafted Kenyon Green in the first round in 2022, and they drafted Juice Scrubs in the second round of last year's draft. So clearly, that prioritization towards the offensive line is something I think the Patriots are going to have to adapt. One because Alex Van Pelt likes running a multiple running scheme, and that requires offensive linemen who have some versatility there. Kind of hard to find those guys in the later rounds, although obviously interior offensive linemen, you could usually get good values. But I think for the Patriots specifically, they have question marks at tackle. So if they sign Mike and Wenu to be a tackle, that solves one of your problems. Left tackle is still a priority. And with Cole Strange having you know suffered two knee injuries last year, David Andrews' status unknown, you got Mafi and Jake Andrews in waiting, and I get that. But I'd also like to see them add another interior offensive line piece Ideally, a veteran because they don't really have uh, a strong interior um, veteran presence in terms of the guards. Like, obviously, Andrews is great. Strange will technically be a veteran, but he's missed so much time. I think you need somebody who has more experience in the NFL in that role. But prioritizing the offensive line. Like I said, they drafted offensive linemen in the first two rounds the past two years. I think that's something the Patriots could try to copy and take from them. Also, with receivers, here's a big one. Uh, Texans drafted Nico Collins and Tank Dell both in the third round. And those are two of their best receivers. Mechie has been on the field a ton, but he is their most explosive receiver. And Nico Collins really broke out this year, particularly under CJ Stroud. And you saw that he was a really good value out of Michigan. Now, to look at a guy like a Roman Wilson, another Michigan guy who's probably going to get taken something like the third round. Um, I think the Patriots can wait 
on getting their wide receiver until that same round. Uh, because especially in this class, there's so much talent. You might even be able to get a good guy in the fourth. Um, another reason I'd love for them to just stack up on picks. There's a lot of people that they could take throughout this draft, especially in the top 100, top 120. Um, so yeah, wide receivers, you can wait until day two. Although to be fair, they also did draft, um, oh, I'm sorry, Nico Collins and Tank Dell were the third round. Jonathan Mechie was the second round. Um, but you can still wait is the biggest point. First round receiver is more of a luxury, but I think you can kind of wait it out, especially in a class that's this deep. And looking at their veterans, their highest paid players in 2023 were all linemen. Three were offensive linemen. That's Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, and Shaq Mason, former Patriot. We all miss him. Uh, but that was their three highest paid players on offense. Then on defense, their highest paid player was Malik Collins, who is a difference-making interior defensive lineman for them. So looking at the Patriots, Christian Barmore is probably going to become one of the highest paid defensive tackles if the Patriots choose to extend him soon. I'm not sure if they're going to do it now or wait till he hits free agency. I think they should do it now because he's only going to get more expensive. Uh, but looking at that model, Mike and Wenu, I could see him being one of your highest paid players. Then you have City So rookie, left tackle. If you want to sign someone like a Jonah Williams to kind of hold that spot down for you, just so you have a veteran who you can rely on and you know what you're going to get out of him. He could end up being another guy who makes north of $10 million. And then you got Cole Strange. He's not going to be making a ton of money, of course. Uh, but like I said, I'd like to see them draft an interior guy. He's probably not going to cost a lot of money. But that focus on really um, making sure the guys in the trenches are paid and are solid, because even with injuries, the Texans managed to find offensive line talent, stick it in there, and still have success, which is pretty impressive. And also, going to their highest-paid veterans that weren't linemen, you have Robert Woods, the veteran wide receiver who has had some lower body issues. Kind of reminds me of a Kendrick Bourne where he's a veteran guy who brings a lot to your team, not just on the field, but in terms of his personality and what he can do in galvanizing the group. I could see a similar kind of situation where Kendrick Bourne comes back and, you know, maybe expect him to be more of a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, but he's still someone who can do a good job for you in specific roles as you see, you know, how much explosiveness he still has after tearing his ACL last season. And then after Robert Woods, their highest paid player, a veteran who's not a lineman was Jimmy Ward, the safety. So that's your Kyle Duggar type, right? Where he's someone they really rely on, kind of a versatile piece in that secondary, very similar to a Kyle Duggar. Although Duggar did have a bit of a down season this year, so you don't know whether they want to franchise him and see where he is, maybe in a role that suits his skill set more. You're never really sure. But, uh, you know, the way the Texans built their team, I do think is interesting, and there are a lot of things that Patriots could take from it. All right, let's move on, see what else we got in here. The Patriots trade down based on historical packages. Would they be look? What would they be looking at for a return? I think that's what that said. I get it. It's Twitter typos. They happen. Um, so I actually looked into this. Um, so in 2018, the Colts went from the third pick to the sixth pick in exchange for two second rounders and a future second rounder. So that's one possible situation. This all depends, obviously, on what the team has in their back pocket. But uh, in 2023, the Cardinals went from three all the way down to 12 for a second rounder, a future first, and a future third. So it's looking like if you want to pull off one of these trades, it's going to be a swap of first round picks. Then you try to get at least one second rounder. And then it's going to be probably either another second rounder or uh, a future pick that's in the second or third round. But it looks like, bottom line, you're getting a second rounder, a future pick, and then another kind of day two sort of pick. So if they do want to do that, I think with a number three pick, if they don't have a quarterback they're in love with, the best case scenario is stocking up and trying to 
maybe take the 49ers approach where you try to build around a quarterback. And obviously I know fans aren't really happy about that because you don't want to get stuck in purgatory. But if they could somehow manage to get like a, a second first round pick in the future, I think that paves the way for you to have some ability to move around the draft board. And that's when you can make a big jump and maybe get a quarterback in a future class that you really like. Uh, but again, that's all assuming they don't end up getting their quarterback. And if they do fall in love with Jaden Daniels or Drake May, as I have as well, I do think that's just where they're going to go. But I think entertaining the idea of a trade makes a lot of sense, um, whether it's in the first round or the second round. All right, let's see what else we got here. Thoughts on Ricky Pearsall as a potential second or third round pick to get a weapon after picking a QB in the first. Maybe trade down in the second and get a few extra picks. Like I said, I love the idea of trading. Um, I'm going to talk about this later today during the Best Damn Day of the Week podcast with Alex Barth, where we talk about more college football draft-oriented stuff specifically. Um, but he came out with a great piece kind of going over the different ways the second round pick could be flipped to get the Patriots more options. Now, I will say... Like I mentioned earlier, I don't like the idea of the Patriots going with a wide receiver in the second round. I think you have to go offensive tackle and quarterback with your first two picks, whether that's you know trading back into the first round to get that person or reading how the board works. And you know as it was proposed, either trading down or standing pat and getting somebody you really like with that second pick. Uh, one important thing to remember is if they really love someone at the end of the first round, trading back in gives them that fifth year option, which is very, very valuable. So, uh, but specific to Ricky Pearsall, I have talked about it in our uh, Senior Bowl shows. I really like him. I have not gotten to really dig into his college tape. From what I saw at the Senior Bowl and what I've read from scouting reports, like he could be a legit kind of big slot Z type receiver where he's sudden, he runs really good routes. He's active with his hands, which I like. He's quick. He knows how to set up defenders. And he's got the speed to really take the top off vertically once he sets people up. Now, he, I don't think he's a crazy deep threat. You know, I don't think he's one of the premier guys in this class in that way where a Roman Wilson might have more vertical ability. But I do think that Pearsall can burn you deep, especially with that ability to set up defenders and kind of keep them on their toes. And I think he could also be a reliable kind of short to intermediate option who also has really good hands. I think he and Roman Wilson are the guys you're probably targeting if you want a third-round receiver uh, as of now. All right, moving on. Besides Mac Jones and Matt Judon, do you think any Patriots will be traded this offseason? I think the ideal trade candidates would be Juju and Devontae Parker. Now, this team is, it, from all uh, indications, going through a pretty significant reset on offense. We're, we're talking about Mac Jones getting traded and not being on the team in 2024. We haven't heard anything about Bailey Zappi. Um, and when it comes to the receiver room, I think there were some people on the offense who, in terms of like attitude and contributions on the field, just may not be ideal candidates to carry with you. I will say Juju, I don't think he was an issue in terms of you know, his personality or his effort or anything like that. I think the effort was there. But the detail in his routes and the execution were albeit he was coming off an ACL injury, which usually takes at least a year before you really feel comfortable. And we saw against the Steelers, he did have more flashes than we're used to seeing from him. But at the same time, the precision took a while to get there. And in the Packers type system that Elliot Wolf is integrating, and I know Alonzo Highsmith is kind of uh, reprioritizing how evaluation works. The Packers like explosiveness. And Juju Smith-Schuster is no longer explosive. We thought that he was going to come in and be a big yak guy. That wasn't really the case. Again, the ACL, you have to take into account, but I just don't think at this stage in his career, there's a lot of tread on his tires coming off this injury. I'm not sure how much he has to give you. He's also supposed to be making a lot of money. If you trade him, 
actually looked up the uh, the details on when exactly it is. Uh, but I believe it's around June. If you trade him before the deadline, uh, it's better. You, it's minimal uh, inflictions on your cap. Although it's just a bad contract, so it's not a great situation either way. And then Devontae Parker, where I know he's really well liked in the locker room, or at least that's how it seems. But on the field, the inconsistent effort, at times a lack of accountability uh, with reporters, and just the general inconsistent execution, where you saw some of the deep ability that we were expecting from him under Zappi, that it kind of disappeared with Mac, and it's like, oh, he still can, you know, win vertically. That's pretty nice. Uh, but still, there were moments where, you know, he's drifting on routes, and he doesn't seem as competitive at the catch point as we've seen in years past. And that's his whole game. He's not an explosive guy who's going to create separation unless it's vertically where he manages a stack uh, defensive back. So. I think he's probably another big guy who I would mention as a trade candidate. Other than that, I think the Patriots need to work on retaining people. Um, I think that, you know, getting draft capital is important. And like I mentioned earlier with Mac Jones, some guys you just have to move on from. Um, with Matt Judon, I know he was thrown in there because of his age. He's probably going to want a little bit more money on his contract, maybe an extension that adds like another year or two. So he has security. Um Matt Judon's the only guy who can be a contributor for you that I think you should trade. I think most of these guys should be retained or their value to the Patriots is higher than it would be on another team if they were to try to entertain the trade. All right. Any free agent defensive lineman you could pair well with Barmore to create an elite defensive front. So this one's tough, especially if you do end up extending Barmore because he's probably going to demand something like north of $20 million. So we can look at – the PFF free agency uh, rankings. I'm going to be referring to these a lot. I already have this offseason. This is a fantastic resource. Chris Jones is an option that was floated, but $30 million is a lot of money to pay. He is a difference maker, especially in the Super Bowl. But with that championship pedigree, you also wonder whether he'd want to come to a place like New England where there's no uh, clear timeline of when they're really going to be Super Bowl contenders or even really playoff contenders. It could be a year. It could be two. We're not sure yet. So Chris Jones' name I've seen floated. I just don't know how realistic it is. Although even if he gets franchise tagged by uh, the Chiefs, there could be some type of trade scenario where a team gives up capital, but then you also have to pay him. And I don't really like that. Justin Matabuike. This is another guy who'd be demanding $20 million. I just don't think those types of guys you can lump like Christian Wilkins. We'll see who else is in that category. Like the $20 million guys, I just don't really think are ideal if you're already paying a defensive tackle that much money. I think you have to spend that money at a different position. So let's look at more like value guys where it's kind of just under. I think Leonard Williams is a guy I would think about for sure. He's a really good player. He could play some of that more like five technique for you. Um, at times he can not just play defensive tackle, but he can also play like that odd defensive end kind of role. Still a little rich for my taste. I, I'd like to get someone that you could get for like around 10 million. Grover Stewart is kind of redundant if you want to keep Devon Godshaw. Sheldon Rankins is really up there in age. I'm not sure. Tired Tart's a pretty interesting option. Um, but I don't think that's kind of the juice that you're looking for. Where true, Fletcher Cox up there, Daquan Jones is really up there. Maurice Hurst, he did work with uh, the Browns last year and Jerry Montgomery. So maybe he's an option, but he's also more of a penetrator. And I'm not sure how well that would work with Barmore, who he can play nose tackle, but I think he wanted more in that three technique role where he can really attack. There's a lot of two gapping in the Patriots system also. Let's keep that in mind. So some of the more penetrating guys might not be a great fit. Um, and Javon Kinmore, Shelby Harris. I, I, I just don't think these are any of the game-changing type of presences that you'd be looking for. So we'll look at edge and see if there's anybody there. Because if they're going to pay a lot of money, I'd like it to be on the edge rather than, again, paying two defensive tackles a ton of money. 
Josh Allen probably going to get tagged. Brian Burns probably going to get tagged. Daniil Hunter. I just don't think it works when you have Matt Judon already an older edge guy who's uh, probably going to be one of your higher paid players. I don't think that works out. Bryce Huff is someone I floated. A situational pass rusher, but a very, very good one. Had one of the highest pass rush, pass rush win rates in the NFL. So he's an option. Uh, but, you know, even still, at almost $17 million for somebody who's not going to be on the field for every down, that's pretty rich. And he's not a great run defender. So I don't really know how I'd feel about that necessarily. That's still a lot of money. Chase Young, not a huge fan. Now, Jonathan Grenard is someone who I think is very interesting. Because $16 million isn't a ton of money for a guy who's going to be – so he's going to be turning 27 this season, but he's really explosive. He's had good production where he, I think you kind of seen him build on it year to year. Um, and I, he can contribute in the run and the pass. That's the biggest thing for me is if you're going to pay a guy this much, I want him on the field consistently unless he's just rotating for, you know, snaps and keeping fresh or something like that. I'd like him to almost kind of be your Judon replacement in terms of that's the edge guy who's going to be getting the key pressures and can also stay on the field on early downs. So he's probably my most realistic and favorite pick. Of this group, Jadavion Clowney, I think he'd be a solid addition, honestly, because he is a good edge defender um, in the run. And as a pass rusher, he's really gotten better in recent years. So I could maybe see Jadavion Clowney in like a rotational kind of role um, if they don't bring back like an Uche. And he's up there in age, but he wouldn't be here for very long. Like it's projected just going to get a one-year contract. Darius Smith, I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I don't know if they've shown interest in him in the past. It just, you know, his versatility where he can rush inside, I think that is valuable. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how much he's going to give you as a run defender on a consistent basis. Uh, maybe I just need to watch more tape, um, but I know his game is mostly pass rushing. So, you know, that's where we kind of get back to. You want somebody who can do a little bit of everything for you. Um, yeah, I think we can wrap that one up. Like Leonard Floyd, I think would be solid. Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, division guys who've had success against the Patriots. I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, brought in the fold. But again, I think this question is more like, who can we add to bring the juice uh, to the Patriots? And I just... I don't love it because of the amount of money that some of these guys are asking for on the market in addition to the scheme fit, whether it's they are only pass rushers, only run defenders, or they're guys who are kind of up there in age or, you know, a lot of different factors. I don't love it. I think their best option is probably to go young, try to get a defensive tackle and an edge defender at a good value at some point, kind of in the middle of the late part of the draft. All right. Now I will open it up, see if we got any questions in the comments section. So, Ken... How you doing, brother? Good to see you. All right. Let me get that question down. We don't need that there right now. All right. What else we got in here? Anybody got questions? Anybody got questions? All right. Okay. Here's one. We got one question. If anybody else has any, feel free to throw them in. If not, I will head out. How would you do this offseason for agency and draft if you were in charge? Well, this is a loaded question, but I've kind of touched on this already, but I'll just recap to close out the show. Um, in terms of priorities, you need a quarterback. That's the bottom line. You're not getting very far with that one. Whether that is someone that you get like a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May early on, or you wait until the second round and get somebody who's more of a developmental type. Uh, even like a Spencer Rattler, I would be pretty happy with. Although, you know, you'd have to load up around him for me to feel really confident in that. In terms of the offensive line, I think that is your second biggest priority. You need depth. Where Antonio Mafia, I'm not sure how well he's going to fit in this scheme with Alex Van Pelt that relies on their guys to pull a lot because Mafia's a bigger guy, used to be a nose tackle. Jake Andrews, he had some solid flashes in the last couple games, still unproven. So he's an unknown commodity at this point. Um, and then Cole Strange, like I said, we don't even know what the timeline is going to be when he comes back. But coming off two knee injuries, you got to think he's going to miss some amount of time. So get some depth on the interior of the offensive line and get quality starters on the edges. 
Resigned Mike Nwenu. I've already said I think he'd be a good fit at right tackle in Van Pelt's system because they don't really ask their tackles to pull very much. It's really more their interior offensive linemen. And then at left tackle, I'd like a guy like a Jonah Williams who can come in and play solid football for you. He's not going to set the world on fire, but you can still survive with someone like Jonah Williams at left tackle. Also gives you the flexibility to draft a tackle like a Javon Foster, where maybe you wait a little later and use your first couple picks. I know people want to see a receiver. You can use that second-round pick, maybe even the third-round pick as well on a receiver. Kind of wait yourself out at tackle, although I still would like to see them get a young tackle they could plug in there who could either be a high-level swing while they develop or potentially maybe even play on the inside if they've got versatility like a Troy Faltani or someone like that. Um, so quarterback, then offensive line. Uh, weapons, obviously, and I don't even think it's just receivers because tight ends, they have nobody under contract right now. Running back, the only guy you have you can really rely on is Ramondre Stevenson, and the receivers, all they've got is Demario Douglas. So I think that you need to get a different weapon at every position, like a third down back, a really good matchup type receiving tight end, and then a wide receiver – I would say probably more in the X mold. I think that's going to be harder for them to find in this draft, whereas I think you could probably get a good Z either in free agency or at some point kind of in the middle to late part of the draft. Uh, but you need weapons, period. So it doesn't really matter to me if it's a receiver, tight end, whatever. You need people who can make plays for you consistently at any position, although still probably can wait on a running back. Um, and then defense. Uh, I think for them, they've got a lot of pieces in place, but – more than anything, I think they need youth at some points. Like the defensive line definitely needs an infusion of youth. Uh, linebacker, I think, is pretty well stocked, especially if they bring back Mac Wilson. But, you know, especially with Dante Hightower, you know, maybe you get a more versatile player who can really be a, a more significant pass rushing presence for you, has the flexibility to play off the ball and then bump down in certain situations like we've seen with Mac Wilson, but maybe with a more refined pass rush style where Mac Wilson's still kind of learning. Um, so maybe like a late round linebacker. I know that um, uh, we were talking about the Texans draft strategies earlier. They tend to take their linebackers in the late part of the draft. So that could be an idea. Um, but once you kind of fill out your offense with players and you're like, all right, I think we're pretty well set right now. I think you want to get a cornerback and or an edge defender, maybe even a safety. I think with Marte Mapu, if they re-sign Duggar and keep Peppers, you got three good safeties. You still technically have Adrian Phillips under contract. I don't know if he's going to stay since he was more of a special teamer last year, even when guys got hurt. Um, but, yeah, I think if you want to maybe use Peppers more in the box and use Duggar in the box and get a real true free safety, even though I thought Peppers was good in the role, um, either Mapu develops in that position or you draft somebody, whichever developmental path they see fit. Cornerback. Is a position where you have, obviously, Christian Gonzalez, Jonathan Jones. Miles Bryant's a free agent. I think he's going to come back because he's more valuable to the Patriots than any other team. But both of your top two guys are coming off, well, Christian Gonzalez, season-ending injury, Jonathan Jones, battle injury throughout the season. And then you got Alex Austin, who could be a diamond in the rough. We still don't know. He had that great interception against the Bills and played some good football. You got Marco Wilson. Sean Wade, we pretty much know what he is, but I think it would be, and also you got Isaiah Bolden, who missed all of last season as well. They've got bodies, but if you can get a corner who you know you can plug in, who can play good man-to-man, -man, maybe they're not great in zone, but they can be on the field for passing downs, I think that's a pretty good situation for you. And it feels like some corners could slide to like the fourth round in this draft. And then edge defenders. I think this is a pretty talented edge class, at least from what I've seen. Like when I do the mock drafts, I usually get to the fifth round and there's still some pretty solid options. So um, later in the draft, I do think maybe you get some younger developmental guys in the defensive front and in the secondary who can really kind of just provide you a little bit more insurance because there's so many guys who are older and whose contracts are going to be expiring. So that was a fun little question. Make sure, see if we got anything else. Oh, the questions are flooded in. Okay.
Um, I'll take a couple more. Let's see what we got. It's so fast. Trade for Judy? No, thank you. Bottom line, I'm over that fantasy is over for me. I'm not really into that idea. Um, do you think they keep Hunter Henry or go with a different guy like Schultz in for agency? I think they keep Hunter Henry because he is a guy who can line up at Y for you. He can play, you know, split out. He can do a lot of things. And he was a captain. I think those things are really valuable, especially as we kind of enter a new era of the Patriots offense. And he's probably going to be cheap. I think he's probably going to be making half as much as he has in recent years because the Patriots kind of overpaid him. Um, but I also think that Harrison Bryant, I, I like Dalton Schultz. I like him a lot. I think he could be like an Njoku type who can block really well, but also is a pretty dynamic athlete for the position. But I also think Harrison Bryant is someone who could potentially be a breakout candidate. Like he, you look at his scouting report, they were comparing him to George Kittle. I don't think that's fair, but I do think he's someone who has positional versatility. He's a good receiver. He gives a lot of effort and has flexibility as a blocker. And all those things, I think, you know, tight ends don't usually break out until their second contracts anyway, unless they're just absolute studs. Um, and Harrison Bryant is someone who was really highly regarded coming out of school. So I think he, as someone who's already in Alex Van Pelt's offense, would be a really interesting person to bring in and be more of your Mike Gesicki type where you use him, you know, all over the place and you try to uh, – but more in the run game. Whereas Gesicki, they use him in the run game, but more as like a big wide receiver. I think Harrison Bryant can be your wing. He can be your fullback. He can be your Y. He can be your move guy. He can do all those sorts of things um, in a similar – kind of vain so maybe a new 88 in the building and then you re-sign Farrell Brown who also has experience in Alex Van Pelt's offense all right what else we got here what else we got I'll take one more um how do you feel about pairing Tez Walker with Drake May I don't love it honestly I'm kind of scared off of Tez Walker after what uh we saw in the senior bowl he was fine when he was like running routes on air and wasn't contested but anytime there was a defender like on his hip or there was contact, it seemed like he got in his head. That was in each of the practices, and that was during the actual live game. So I'm not a huge Tez Walker guy anymore. I think he's got the traits for sure. But Daniel Jeremiah mentioned during the broadcast for the Senior Bowl that the common thread with these successful young receivers, especially in the first year, is toughness. And I hate questioning people's toughness, especially players. If these are football players, I can't imagine whatever level of toughness they have. Uh, but it's also hard to ignore what we did see at the Senior Bowl you know, having Drake may reunite with a weapon is cool, but he also was only with Walker for like a few games. They weren't even together for a full season or multiple seasons. So I don't think it's that big of a deal in terms of like, you know, you think of the Joe Burrow and the Jamar chase where it's like, yes, get the guy they have experience throwing to. That's so cool. I love those storylines. They're a ton of fun, but this is one where I'm kind of like, meh, if he falls in your lap at like the fourth or fifth round, then sure. Pull the trigger. That's a good value, but I'm not taking him in the second or third round or anything like that. It's where I think he's projected to go. All right. I'll take one more. I'll take one more. Um, who do you see being the wide receivers coach? Could it be Chad O'Shea? I think it could be Chad O'Shea. Um, I saw that there were some reports floating around that he's someone who could be an option, but I feel like that would have happened by now. I don't know for sure, but it's kind of weird, that whole situation. I also saw it floated Danny Amendola becoming the receivers coach because uh, he was let go from the Raiders. Um, I don't know about that. I think, if anything, Amendola would probably be the assistant wide receivers coach. Um, maybe if Troy Brown uh, isn't on the team next year, he becomes the new kick returners coach or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I'd love to see Danny Amendola back. I think that'd be really cool, but it's important to remember that he only played with Mayo for a couple seasons. Now Taekwon Underwood also did. So I guess that doesn't really matter, but 
it would be more a question of is he ready to lead a wide receiver room? And I don't know that we've seen that yet. So Chad O'Shea, again, I think uh, it's a solid sh shot at that happening. I'm just curious when it would happen. Um, and then Danny Amendola, again, I've seen it floated. I'm not sure he'd be a great fit as the actual wide receivers coach. Then again, having Tyquan Underwood, maybe that helps. I don't know. Uh, learning as I go. All right. That's it for the mailbag. Thank you all so much for watching. As always, appreciate you very much. And for the live questions, I love that. You guys keep me on my toes. Get to have a little fun. Some face-to-face, face-to-face, chat-to-chat interaction. Uh, great time as always. Thank you all for joining. I will be back on air today at 5.30 doing the college football show with Alex Barth. Make sure to tune in to that. But until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. 